Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry... We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. Today, Judge McBurney throws out Donald's motion to quash the Fulton County Special Purpose Grand Jury Report and to remove Fonnie Willis as the prosecutor. The DA investigating migrant flights to Martha's Vineyard has referred the matter to the Department of Justice. President Biden has decided to keep Space Command in Colorado, shunning Alabama. Carlos de Oliveira made his first court appearance, a pride protest at a San Diego library backfires, and another rapid, unscheduled disassembly for Elon Musk. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, uh, hey Dana, I just want to open this up and say that I want to dedicate this uh, episode to the memories of Sinead O'Connor and Paul Rubens. Yeah. Two icons, very personal heroes of mine. Uh, two bright lights are gone. And I just wanted to just put that out there into the universe that um, they were greatly loved and greatly appreciated. And I'm, I'm, very, I'm very sad that they are no longer with us. Me too. And, and far too soon. If, if you're a music fan and you like Pink and Brandy Carlisle, 
they did a tribute to Sinead O'Connor at one of their concerts in the last couple of days, and it's quite beautiful. I just wish that she had been loved and revered as much in her life as she was in her death because she was chastised for something that was she was right about, and that was sexual abuse of children in the Catholic Church, and they ruined her career over tearing up a picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live, and it's just a shame. It's a shame. So she will be deeply missed, and obviously Pee Wee Herman. I mean, come on. <sighs> Creator of worlds, Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, we really should make an effort to celebrate our heroes while they're still here. Because like you said, I, you know, she was shunned her whole life. And, uh, you know, it was it was only in her death that everyone showed all their love. We should be showering love on people like that when they're here. Absolutely. And not just the not just the icons, our neighbors, our friends, our loved ones. So please do that. Just take a moment and do it. Yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, we do have a couple of quick hits here. Fulton County Judge McBurney has thrown out Donald Trump's motion to quash the grand jury report and remove Fonnie Willis as the prosecutor. We go over the scathing ruling in detail on tomorrow's cleanup on aisle 45 pod that this ruling moots the August 10th hearing in the mandamus filing that Trump did also. Uh, you remember, remember that whole thing where they, like the lead judge sort of recused the entire Fulton County bench and remanded the case up to Cobb County, the yeah. seventh district. That was for the mandamus. This was the original motion. And so McBurney's ruling today moots that hearing altogether. And so there won't be an August 10th hearing runways wide open for Fani to indict. Let's do it. And the new defendant in the classified documents case, Dale Averis, made a court appearance today. Just like Nauda, he did not have local counsel, so the arraignment has been postponed to August 10th. They wanted it August 25th, but they were like, no. Judge Cannon ordered that it had to be done by August 25th, uh, so they, they scheduled it for August 10th. Another delay tactic by Team Trump, and we'll cover that in detail on the next episode of Jack. And I hope you're stocked up on champagne. I think today, Tuesday, is indictment day in D.C. Federal grand jury meets today. I think they're going to indict him today. Look for a rant on Truth Social later tonight, <laughs> followed by maybe tomorrow an announcement of a Jack Smith press conference. That's the order of operations, at least it was in the documents case. But uh, uh, justice, it's been a long time coming, but I think we may see it today. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. From a local NBC affiliate in Boston, Mike Pascara writes that a Massachusetts district attorney said Friday his office is investigating Florida's decision last year to send flights filled with migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Cape and Islands district attorney Robert Galabois also threw his support behind a group of public officials from California and Texas calling for a federal investigation into the flights. Quote, I am conscious of my obligation to investigate any potentially criminal activity that occurs within my jurisdiction, he said in a statement. Uh, he went on to say, I'm aware that immigrants were tricked and fooled into boarding planes that ultimately landed in Martha's Vineyard, which is part of my jurisdiction. I believe this falls within my purview as DA to investigate. Given that much of the information I seek to review as part of my investigation falls outside of my jurisdiction, I stand behind California and believe in order for a full and proper investigation to occur, the Department of Justice must be involved. I stand ready to cooperate with the Department of Justice. Do you know, Dana, two planes filled with undocumented immigrants landed on Martha's Vineyard last September, leaving the island scrambling to prepare emergency shelters to help them. The office of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said it was responsible for the flights, with a spokesperson saying that night they were, quote, part of the state's relocation program to transport undocumented immigrants to sanctuary destinations. 
DeSantis, who is running for the Republican presidential nomination in 2024, has touted the flights to Martha's Vineyard in his campaign speeches, falsely claiming island officials deported them the next day. In reality, they were brought to an emergency shelter on Joint Base Cape Cod before alternative housing was arranged. Galabois' announcement comes a day before DeSantis will be on Cape Cod for a fundraiser. Oh, boy. In a class action lawsuit, migrants said unidentified people working with DeSantis have been trolling the streets outside of a migrant shelter in Texas and other similar locales, pretending to be good Samaritans, offering humanitarian assistance. So gross. I know. The migrants said those people made false promises that if they were willing to board airplanes to other states, they would get employment, housing, educational opportunities, and other assistance. They also said they were told they would be flown to Boston or D.C., but were dropped off at Martha's Vineyard without food, water, or shelter. DeSantis's move was widely panned by Massachusetts lawmakers as a cruel stunt, and I agree. Quote, history does not look kindly on leaders who treat human beings like cargo, loading them up and sending them a thousand miles away without telling them their destination. That's Bill Keating, Representative Democrat from Massachusetts, in a tweet. Earlier this summer, Florida also sent flights filled with migrants to Sacramento. California Governor Gavin Newsom and Attorney General Rob Bonta both likened the action to kidnapping. In a letter earlier this month, Newsom and Bonta joined Sheriff Javier Salazar of Bear County, Texas, to call on the Department of Justice to investigate potential violations of federal law. Wouldn't it be amazing if two the two leading Republican presidential candidates were both indicted. <laughs> that would be lovely. Lovely. Salazar's office announced last month it recommended criminal charges, including a misdemeanor and felony counts for unlawful restraint. No suspects were named. The sheriff had previously opened an investigation into the flights after saying the migrants were lured. Charlie Baker, Massachusetts's governor at the time, said he was supporting that investigation. I'll keep an eye on the DOJ on this for you all as it goes on. Thank you so much, A.G. Now this story, construction crews dismantled a giant X sign atop the downtown building formerly known as the Twitter headquarters Monday after residents here complained of bright flashing light that disturbed them throughout the night. It was it was it was basically visual noise pollution, if that's a thing. And one of the tweets said, shut it off, read one of the 24 complaints to the city's department to building inspection about the sign. It's currently flashing rapidly and extremely brightly. It's creating a massive nighttime nuisance and making it hard to sleep. Now, such is the latest chapter in Elon Musk's chaotic rebrand of Twitter into X, uh, which first caused headaches for the company's hometown last week when the company illegally tried to remove its original logo from the outside of the building. Then, over the weekend, the company affixed a giant X, and I mean a giant strobe-like X, above the building, prompting 24 complaints about its structural safety and bright lights, and that's according to the city's Department of Building Inspection. Videos on social media also showed a blinding flashing strobe light above the building in downtown San Francisco. Sam Shand, who lives across from the headquarters, said it was a huge nuisance for him and his fellow neighbors Sunday night. And this is what he said. I don't understand why it had to be blinking that bright, he said, as a massive crane plucked the light of the brand's iconic blue logo from the building Monday. Now, subtlety is not must strength. That, again, was from the neighbor. Now, the building's property owner, he's going to be fined. Actually, I don't know if it's a he. I apologize. The building's property owner will be fined for the installation and removal of the structure, as well as the cost of the city's investigation into the matter. And that's according to Patrick Hannon, who is a spokesperson for the city's Department of Building Inspection. I only assume that it's a man because that X is way too large and clearly making up for something in Elon Musk's repertoire. Mm, yeah. So rapid, another rapid 
uh, unscheduled disassembly for Elon Musk. Indeed. Bless his heart. (sighs) And from the Associated Press, President Joe Biden has decided to keep U.S. Space Command headquarters in Colorado, overturning a last-ditch decision by the Trump administration to move it to Alabama. The choice ended months of thorny deliberations, but an Alabama lawmaker vowed to fight on. U.S. officials told the Associated Press on Monday that Biden was convinced by the head of Space Command, General James Dickinson, who argued that moving his headquarters now would jeopardize military readiness. Dickinson's view, however, was in contrast to Air Force leadership, who studied the issue at length and determined that relocating to Huntsville, Alabama, was the right move. The official spoke on the condition of anonymity to provide details of Biden's rationale. In announcing the plans, Brigadier General Pat Ryder, Pentagon Press Secretary, said the decision was based on an objective and deliberate process informed by data and analysis. He said Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin supported the president's decision. Reaction to the decision came fast and was sharply divided as Colorado lawmakers praised it and Alabama officials slammed it as a political maneuver. Quote, the fight is far from over. That's Mike Rogers, Republican rep from Alabama, chairman of the House Armed Services Committee. Yeah, no, Mike, the fight is over. U.S. officials said Biden believes that keeping the command in Colorado Springs would avoid disruption and readiness that moving to Alabama would cause, particularly as the U.S. races to compete with China in space. And they said Biden firmly believes that maintaining stability will help the military better be able to respond in space over the next decade. Those factors, they said, outweighed what the president believed would be any minor benefits of moving to Alabama. Biden's decision enraged Alabama lawmakers and is sure to fuel accusations that abortion politics played a role in their choice. I wish it did. The location debate has become entangled in the ongoing battle between Alabama Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville and the Defense Department over the move to provide travel for troops seeking reproductive health care. Now, Tuberville opposed the policy, and he is doing that uh, by blocking hundreds of military promotions in protest. U.S. officials said the abortion issue had no effect at all on Biden's decision, and they said that he fully expected there would be different views on the matter within the Defense Department. Tuberville, in a statement, said the top three choices for Space Command headquarters were all in Republican-leaning states, Alabama, Nebraska, and Texas, and bypassing them looks like blatant patronage politics. Well, don't be a dick. Formerly created in August 2019, the command was temporarily based in Colorado, and Air Force and Space Force leaders initially recommended it stay there. In the final days of his presidency, though, Donald Trump decided it should move to Alabama. That was political. Yeah, absolutely. The change triggered a number of reviews. Proponents of keeping the command in Colorado argue that moving to Huntsville and creating a new headquarters would set back its progress at a time that it needs to move quickly to be positioned to match China's military space rise. Colorado Springs is also home to the Air Force Academy, which now graduates Space Force Guardians. Guardians. And more than 24 military space missions, including three Space Force bases. Officials also argued that any new headquarters in Alabama would not be completed until after 2030, forcing a lengthy transition. Huntsville, however, scored higher than Colorado in a government accountability office assessment of potential locations and has long been home to some of the earliest missiles used in the nation's space programs, including the Saturn V rocket. It is home to the Army Space and Missile Defense Command as well. According to officials, Air Force Secretary Frank Kendall, who ordered his own review, leaned toward Huntsville while Dickinson was staunchly in favor of staying put. The officials said Austin presented both options to Biden. Uh, That's Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense. In a statement Monday, Kendall said the service will work to quickly implement Biden's decision, adding that keeping the command in Colorado will avoid any disruptions to its operational capability. All right, and last one here. This is from Jill Callen at the Washington Post. Adrian Peterson. Adrian's the manager of the Rancho Penasquito's branch of the San Diego Public Library, 
was actually a little embarrassed by the modest size of her Pride Month display in June. Between staff vacations and organizing workshops for graduating high school students, it had fallen through the cracks and fell short of what she had hoped to offer. Yet the kiosk across the checkout counter, marked by a Progress Pride rainbow flag, that was enough to thrust the suburban library onto the front lines of the nation's culture wars. Not a big Pride celebration, just a lot of butthurt people. Now, Ms. Peterson, who has run the library, by the way, branch since 2012 and highlighted books for Pride Month for the better part of the decade, was taken aback when she read an email last month from two neighborhood residents. They informed her that they had gotten nearly all the books in the Pride display checked out and would not return them unless the library permanently removed what they considered inappropriate content. And this is a quote. It was just kind of like, whoa, curveball, Ms. Peterson said. I began to wonder, uh, have I been misunderstanding our community? Soon, she would get her answer. Stacks of Amazon boxes containing new copies of the books the protesters checked out started to arrive at the library after the San Diego Union Tribune reported on this protest. What a beautiful thing. Roughly 180 people, mostly San Diegans, gave more than $15,000 to the library system, which after a city match will provide over $30,000 toward more LGBTQ-themed materials and programming, including an expansion of the system's already popular drag queen story hours. (laughs) What? In an ever-divided nation, Americans are waging battles in big ways and small, as we know, right down to turning their library cards into protest weapons. It's absurd. Right-wing activists have challenged the recognition of June as Pride Month and have sought to remove textbooks from schools and LGBTQ-affirming picture books from libraries. In Republican-led states, those in office have used their power to change policy and ban materials contested by conservatives. And you know what they're saying about Jason Aldean's song, if you don't like it, don't listen. Well, you know what? If you don't like a book, don't fucking read it, but don't ban it. Mm-hmm. Now, in San Diego, supporters of LGBTQ rights were quick to counter opponents. The city council member who represents Rancho Penasquitos, Marnie Von Wilpert, uh, condemned the library protest against Pride Books and asked the community to help restore the display. Like many Southern California suburbs, Rancho in the northeastern part of San Diego was once solidly Republican territory, by the way. So listen to this. But the community has become more liberal over the years, thank God, attracting a diverse range of residents with its highly rated schools and glimpses of the Pacific Ocean. Now, Wilper is the first Democrat to represent District 5, the first one, which now includes Rancho Penasquitos. Now, the neighborhood did have a Democratic council member when it was a part of a more liberal district. The political shift reflects changes in San Diego at large. Long known as a military town with religious roots that date back to the first Spanish mission in California, the city has favored Republicans for most of its history, which is a little shocking, but also understandable. But like other parts of the state, San Diego has grown more diverse after decades of immigration and the establishment of a booming biotech sector. After victories in 2022, Democrats held all nine seats on the city council for the first time. That's why Mm -hmm. state elections matter. The city also has embraced the LGBTQ community. In 2020, voters elected Todd Gloria as San Diego's first openly gay mayor and have sent Tony Atkins, who is a phenomenal, by the way, state legislator, where she has become the first lesbian to serve as the leader of each house. Both are Democrats. Now, Ms. Von Wilbur grew up in Rancho and 2020 won a closely fought race to represent her home district where Democrats now have a plurality 
of registered voters, and there are almost as many independents as Republicans. Ms. Von Wilpert, who is a member of the LGBTQ plus community, said she appreciated how quickly her neighbors rallied to support the library. This is an amazing mm-hmm. story. Amazing story. It's my San Diego. Woo woo. Absolutely love it. Todd Gloria is an, a brilliant mayor, too. All right, we'll be right back. And uh, also, San Diego, by the way, you should have your mail in ballots now. Vote for Janessa Goldbeck for county supervisor. Make sure you do that. She will also bring together the military community. She's a veteran. And she's a member of the LGBTQ plus community. And I've met her and she's phenomenal. She's awesome. She's like the best person and she's the best candidate for county supervisor. Do it. Indeed. All right. And bring someone with you. But it's mail-in. So I don't know. Go to your neighbor's house and have a cocktail and send in your mail-in ballots. Vote for Janessa Goldbeck. We'll be right back after this quick break with the good news. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, shout out to a loved one, a shout out to yourself. I want to hear what you're doing. Um, if you have a local business in your area that needs a shout out, needs some support, you can do that too. You can send us a what the mutt or a what the heck wine or frog orgy pictures or baby pictures. Pod pet tax. If you can't pay pod pet tax, you can show us an adoptable pet in your area. Whatever you want to send to us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact. All right, first up from Elizabeth, pronouns she and her. In the woods of West Virginia, And I was on my morning walk with my fur babies, Scooter, a Jack Russell Terrier, and Elsa, a German Pinscher. We came across this bright little guy. The colors and markings on this were incredible. Mother Nature's work at its best. I love the beans. Every morning at 5.15 a.m., my coffee pot clicks on, and I settle in for my morning. Thanks for all you both do. Look at this. Look how beautiful. What is that guy? Is he a little salamander? Is he just a lizard? Like, you know bright orange and he's got little yellow spots with black rings around him. Maybe it's a type of salamander. It sure is beautiful. Awesome. Very cool. Thanks, Elizabeth. All right. This is from Kirsten N. Kirsten N. Pronounce she and her. What the heck wine? Can you guess the breed of my podcast cover supermodel? His name is Jasper, aka The Monkey. Also, I'm shamelessly shouting out the horse geeks, my own podcast. And I quote, we we look at horses and riding from the inside out. My friend Deb and I, both working horse professionals, share research and information that help people help horses. We just recorded our 100th episode. Congratulations. Yay for us. Kirsten, nice job. And AG, I'm going to let you take this. What the heck wine? What do you think? Horse geeks. What a cool name for a podcast. I mean, first of all, it's beautiful. Uh, Looks like a thoroughbred. But I've never seen that kind of, see that uh, that sort of ombre down to the nose? Like, I've never seen anything yeah. quite like that. That's beautiful. beautiful. God, the horse, horses are just so beautiful and majestic. I love them. <laughs> Look at the Horse Geeks podcast logo. <laughs> I love it. It's That's like a great. Right. face. Let's see what we got there. Hanoverian, German warm blood. But he, oh, he does really look like a thoroughbred, if that was your guess. Yes. There you go. Thank you. But Jasper is beautiful. Thank you for sending that in. All right. Next up from Scott. He, him from Brisbane. Hey, DG and AG. Thanks for all you both do. On the pod yesterday, you talked about kids and they might be giants. I have a niece and a couple of nephews whose folks aren't outdoor types at all. 
When the kiddos want to go fishing or other such outdoor stuff, I take them and I make the kid-friendly music playlist for the drive. They Might Be Giants is their absolute favorite. Dana, you said you'd be solo on the show today. And like you, I'm more of a dog person. But wherever I go, cats seem to like my luggage. Attached (laughs) is photos Leroy and Michael, the void kitties, at a friend's place and Regina, the chonk, at an Airbnb I stay at when I visit the U.S. Thanks to all of you at the Beans. Also, Dana, you are one of the first people from the U.S. that I've heard pronounce Brisbane correctly. Much love. Am I pronouncing nice. it right, Dana? I think so. That's what's really funny. You reading this, I, if I did pronounce it correctly, it may have been an accident. So I hope it's Brisbane because that's what I've always said. I thought I thought so. And yeah, I, I surprise, can't be Brisbane. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm here today. Uh, surprise. <laughs> I know. Oh, we got really confused yesterday, y'all. We so did. I will be going solo tomorrow and the day after, but I didn't even know Allison was going to be here today until about two hours before the podcast. Yeah. So you're going to get to announce those indictments. Lucky girl. Oh, I know. I'm excited. All right. This is from Roxy, pronouns she and her. I have a confession to make. While I salute all the people who feel sympathy for Waltine Nada, and now Carlos D. Oliveira, out of a belief that Trump took advantage of them, I'm having a hard time mustering those same feelings. I can't shake the feeling that, barring an undisclosed cognitive impairment, the idea that they didn't understand what they were doing is juvenilizing. Even if these 40-plus-year-old men were somewhat naive, surely the, the skulking around in the bushes was a clue that their actions weren't above board. Also, as a former member of the Navy, not a choice to protect Trump's recklessness, with NDI is such a betrayal of the man and women who still serve in the Navy and other branches of the military. Mm -hmm. I hope they'll decide to come clean for the good of the nation in order to redeem themselves somewhat. I'm sympathetic to the idea that I'm not sure they've gotten the best legal advice. Maybe they'll see that Taveras hasn't been charged at all and realize there are better options. Mm Mm-hmm. For Claude Pet Tax, I'm sending our turtle Jaws. <laughs> we took her in as a sort of rescue about a decade ago. She's now about 20, which I had long thought would be nearing end of life based on Googling lifespan for turtles of her species. Then I recently realized that 20 years is for turtles in the wild. In captivity, she could live to be 50. I could Whoa. still have a turtle when I hit my 80s. Yikes. <laughs> I'll Google her species below in case you want to try your hand at what the shell? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's is that a red nose is that a red slider? Is that a stop it. Like, Do you know turtle p- types? Is it it is a red-eared slider. What woo, the fuck? Woo, woo. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> My friend Sonia has a couple of them, so it's it's kind of not I fair. mean <laughs> I got set up for that. I'm oh like is God. it a box turtle? What the tortoise? <laughs> <laughs> so red-eared slider yeah okay uh that was fun thank you all for um sending sending in your good news again dana's solo tomorrow and thursday i will try to maybe like on my lunch break maybe uh, I'm going to be in court for the next four days is what's happening. Oh, that's what's happening. I didn't even know what you were going to be. <laughs> but I'll probably try, be trying to like maybe record something on my iPhone um, at lunch or something just to have some comments or something that maybe can I can drop in the show. But I will be gone. And then uh, we have a really great interview I already pre-recorded. It comes out this Friday with Brian Karam. He's the host of the Just Ask the Question podcast, which if you aren't listening, it's very, very good. He's an insider up there in Washington in the White House Correspondents Association. 
And then next week, the beans is off. But again, I have all fresh content for you all week. I've got Jenna Griswold, right? She's the uh, Secretary of State in Colorado. We've got uh, Janessa Goldbeck. I've got a great conversation with her teed up for next week. All kinds of uh, Kimberly Johnson, all just really great content and really great guests. So I, I, you know, I'm not going to leave you in the lurch. The Jack episode will be out on Sunday. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm going to be on it, but <laughs> but oh it'll God. be out. Okay. And all of the all of the uh, information. I'm going to see. Maybe we can record it on Saturday instead of uh, Friday. But all the information and the indictments will be in that episode. So stay tuned. Uh, have a wonderful next couple of days, my friend. Thank you very much. It'll be a fun couple of days. I'll miss you. Yeah. But I, I you know, you it's a fun challenge to take the podcast on alone. I think you'll do wonderfully. Uh, And everybody, uh, until tomorrow, at least for Dana, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health, vote blue over Q. Take everyone you know with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.